Edmund gets his revenge on Fernand in a sword fight, takes down Villefort while defending himself on trial, rekindles his romance with Mercedes. That's how it ends. You read this? Interesting premise told poorly. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. I mean, this is the beauty of being in a democracy. It's like you have the option to vote someone out. You might, it might take a couple of years, but it's not like it's not a, like a sham election like a, a Vladimir Putin or something like that when, you know, oh, yes, oh, we'll just extend the amount of terms this guy can have. Oh, yeah, and we'll just increase the, you know, the time it takes in between elections. You know, it's not that scenario. You still have the power to do that. And when given the power to do that, turns out... You know, usually common sense prevails, but sometimes you have to go through a bit of shit for people to realise how important it is to actually vote. <laughs> this is why I need to vote, because when I don't, the people that maybe don't take it as serious put people like Donald Trump in. And yeah, it'll, it'll win out. Always does. Common sense usually prevails. It just sometimes takes people to go through in extreme bouts of stupidity to realise that common sense will ultimately win out. It's why we're still on the planet, because we've had plenty of chances to wipe each other out, um, and we're still here, because common sense usually wins out. Extreme bouts of stupidity, incisive <laughs> political analysis from correspondent Duncan McLeish. Now back to your regular, <laughs> regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Duncan and Bo come correct. I also think that might be... Uh, a tagline for one of our ratings on iTunes. <laughs> yes, probably so. Extreme bouts of stupidity. So <laughs> two uh, stars. <laughs> it is. It is, of course, uh, your heroes and, and overlords. Mm-hmm. I'm Bo. With me is Duncan. Bow to me, peasants, <laughs> and the spirit of democracy. Bow to us. Um. <laughs> Look, we were we were basically off in October, uh, largely because I I know I was busy as fuck because Halloween tends to be a busy season, mm-hmm. and I was dropping. Look, folks, if you felt like you weren't getting enough of me, there I was dropping a podcast every goddamn day. He was. He set himself a, like a silly challenge. <laughs> like most people just set the challenge of I'll watch a movie a day, but I was like I'm going to watch and review and release an episode every day. Which yes. I, it always seems great on paper, and I, I know people that have tried this before, but by by about the end of the second week, you're like, well, why did I, I'm too far into it that I need to do it now or I'll look like I have quit. I don't want to be a quitter, and if I just see it through, and then most people never want to do it again. Will you be doing it again next year? Bro? Absolutely, I loved it. All right, excellent. <laughs> I, yes, it was, it was a shit ton of work, but it was a lot of fun, and, and in a lot of ways felt like, an ongoing conversation I was having about uh, not just the movies, but just about the holiday and so forth. So mm. uh, it was really fun. And it, and it had me as excited <coughs> as I've been in years uh, for <coughs> Halloween. I'm not, I'm not used to this. Uh, what? Excited about all things horror. Oh, yeah. Where's oh, the cynical bowl? There's a, you know, it's just a lot of movies that feel the same out there. Oh, there a... we'll get to it. Just you oh, wait, right. Duncan. <laughs> I felt <laughs> a choke there listening to the words. It was like, there's, there's an there's a optimistic, youthful kind of spry step in them that I usually associate with my enjoyment of horror, bro. Um, so, oh, oh, there we go. I, Ooh, no, now. no, I'm I had a, I had a blast doing it. Um, and you were releasing a bunch of stuff as you always do. 
So, yeah. uh, at October's any busy, always yes. busy. It, so. ha- it's Halloween busy, and um, but Duncan, uh, we are back we're, uh, with Lovecraft Country. Back uh, in the sack. There you go. <laughs> I, no, I was I was hoping the concert would go on. I just. I hope we've passed the audition. <laughs> it's a let it be joke. Um, but Duncan, we like to begin the show mm-hmm. not just with incisive political analysis. And bad ACDC impressions. Um, <laughs> as is our tradition. Uh, but we like to talk about movies we've been watching, one good, one bad. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I felt like I said that very judgmental. One bad. Yeah, one bad. You know what you did being made. It was one naughty movie. Um, (laughs) It's the sort of movie that when people people involved with the project watch it at the test screen at the end, they'll go, Right. (laughs) Slip out before the credits roll. Lights come up and it's like three dudes like, what the fuck happened? (laughs) The performance that when you're looking at yourself on the screen, you're like, not like this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, whoa! Now I know bad movies. <laughs> Duncan, don't be silly. Um, <laughs> what? What movie would you like to begin with? I'll I'll pick off the bad, and I've seen a few bad. I've seen a few. <laughs> well, bad. we all have, but yeah, in, in my list because like very much like the the best people out there. Like, well, I, I see the best people out there. Depends how you organize. You mean your me? List. I get it. Right. <laughs> Depends how you organize your list, right? My my thirty one of October is always designed around movies that have been released this year. And the reason I do that is I'll, there's very because I've got a podcast that exclusively looks at horror anyway um, I'm watching a lot of horror during the year but it tends to be older movies so a lot of the watching preparation and recording are for movies that have been out for a while so to find the time to essentially watch a lot of modern stuff especially in this climate with you know cinemas closed down etc where I would usually pick off the titles from the year um, it's never easy for me so I essentially set aside a whole month 31 days and I exclusively only look at newly released horror movies in the UK and that way at the end of the year I know for a fact I've watched at a minimum 31 movies so it, it, it rims out but what a lot of people would do with their list is they pick classics you know movies they know for a fact that they enjoy so I tend to pick a, a, a lineup of movies where I'm like that right this has been recommended to me I really like the look of this but then I'll pick movies that I know that have been released that I genuinely probably wouldn't pick and watch on a Saturday night for example where I'm like that doesn't look very good I'll put those ones in as well because I, I like to round out my list I like to have a well rounded list you know in that way because occasionally I've said that movie looks awful I've sat and watched and went actually <laughs> pretty good maybe not amazing but worth the watch so that's how I curate my list, and as a result, there were a few movies on there that I didn't have much in the way of high hopes for that turned out to be pretty awful. Um, and the one that I wanted to do, and the one that I thought I was going to do after I watched it, was Blackwater Abyss. Oh giant, yeah, that's a giant yeah. crocodile movie with with uh, which spends less time with a, a crocodile eating people and more time spent on this 
kind of three-way love triangle, which no one gives a fuck about, <laughs> including the actors in that movie. <laughs> Like, yeah, like that's no one, a terrible idea. <laughs> no one can spit. No one can muster up any enthusiasm for this at all. Um, can I audience, say yeah. that uh, when I listened to your review of the pool, mm. I was heartened by the fact that you quoted me and saying that in a killer crocodile movie, a crocodile kills no one. It kills no one, and it's that movie is so bad that even the dog hangs itself to get away the movie. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> Gene Siskel was gonna review it, but he took the easy way out. The, the dog, the dog is so dishonored by this it commits Harry Carey. <laughs> what? Wait, are you telling me as a dog, as a dog actor, that no crocodile? There's not nobody's gonna get eaten by a crocodile in this movie. Not even me. All right. Hi! <laughs> the dog. The dog. Like the only, the only regret the dog has is that I hadn't thought of it sooner as we finish the movie. As oh my god, oh my oh. god, that movie, that fucking movie. Like, I, there was about because I remember we spoke about it before. I, I, I want to say it was during one of the summer series. Uh, yeah, I warned you. I was like, that movie has a blood curse. Yeah, but Mark was on that one, and Mark was like, no, I saw it at the festival. It was a ton of fun. So I was like. Right, this is either Bo's, like, totally... <laughs> I know you have, like, a soft spot for bad movies, and I'm like, Bo does not like this movie. And I was like, but Mark liked it, but then Mark was in a festival drunk, so, I mean, uh, let's see how this goes. And about 20 minutes into it, I realised that my mouth was dry because it had been open for that 20 minutes. <laughs> I just could not fucking believe what I was seeing at all. And yeah, like, you cannot have a, a movie where, you know, a killer creature is on the list and it doesn't kill anyone. That's, you know, it's just pointless. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that, that that movie definitely was in the bad end. But the bad movie, and I thought, like I say, I thought it was going to be like, we're going to be talking about Killer Croc movies in one way, shape, or form. How can you fuck this up? It's an easy movie to make. Um, but instead, I'm going for the big title. The one that, like, the one that had the clever marketing the one that I like to think maybe thinks socially aware that's tackling a subject which is in vogue just now for filmmakers off the back of Jordan Peele's success. I want to talk about Antebellum, which might might make my list as worst movie I've seen this year. Oof. I mean, you said it was bad, but really worst the, of the yeah, year. Yeah, time, time with thinking about the end of that movie has elevated my hatred for it, like, considerably. Um, obviously, you've not seen it yet, and no, it's no, no. only just been released digital last month, a month and a half ago. So there'll be a lot of people out there that haven't, well, one probably don't know that it has been released uh, because it was going to get a cinema run back in April, I think, April, May. Um, and there will be, you know, people that just haven't seen it yet. It is available. I don't think you should spend a penny on it. At all, I'm, I'm doubling down on this. Um, the marketing, I don't know. Do you remember the trailers for this movie? Vaguely, I'm not a big trailer guy, but right. I, I remember the shots of Janelle Monet running through a battlefield or something. Yeah, like she's picking cotton and she's been beaten up by slave owners, and she looks up and an airplane flies overhead. What has some weird time continuum thing happened? Is there a fucking rupture in the fabric of space? All those would be better than the reveal in this movie. 
Oh man, it's so is it fucking... is it like the village or something? It's worse than the village, bro. I mean, Duncan, let's not say village. things we can't take back. It's worse than the village, and the reason it's worse than the village is it plays so blatantly about race hate. Um, and you know, I, the 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 movie has a the first thirty minutes are just like black people being horribly fucking abused and mistreated on a cotton picking farm like like to the point where it is so fucking uncomfortable to watch and you think you're going to get some sort of pathos at the end because that's what's supposed to fucking happen uh no 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 this movie is not in it for that <laughs> this movie thinks it's a lot smarter than it is and if anything it's a lot dumb and a hell of, a hell of a lot offensive like really 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 bad um you see, you told me this, and because I don't know what this god-awful twist is, it makes me really curious to watch the movie so I can see this god-awful twist. Yeah, I, I, but the thing is, it's like you're in a, a, a relative ballpark with, with, with your, your knee-jerk instinct towards the village. It exists in a similar world to the village, right? Yeah, I, I know it's going to make me mad. Yeah, the explanation is just a whole lot fucking stupid, right? It's really fucking dumb. See, and but that's what intrigues me because I'm like, what could be dumber than the village? This can be dumber than the village. Mm, <laughs> like, all right. And it's like I see, if the movie was dumb throughout, I can let it off with that. This movie plays with some very lofty and very volatile messages in 2020. Like it totally is like, well, Jordan Peele did it, so we can do it. Um, sort of mentality. And it, it just it is like it offends me that a studio, the size of the studio that has released this, thought in any way, shape, or form this was a smart move. Um, also, on top of that, the best thing that could have ever happened to this movie is the coronavirus. Because see, if this had been released in cinemas, it would have been fucking savaged, like absolutely savaged. And if you look at its rating on Rotten Tomatoes, etc. at the moment, you know, it's pretty savaged at the moment. But yeah, this is this is sort of movie that just angers me, like, because I, I, I can see the cynical studio exec behind it going, you know what's really in just now? The, you know, race baiting. <laughs> Let's get in a movie. Um, you know what people really want to do? It's like, Black Lives Matter. Let's, you know, it's all this shit, right? Where someone's using it as a marketing tool as opposed to what it should be used for, which is to convey a proper message. So, yeah, fuck this movie. <laughs> like, honestly, just angered me so much when I got to the end of it. And it still had fairly goodwill with me up until about... Because it's slow as well. It's about an hour and 40 minutes long, and it takes a long time to do things. Um, and then when you start to see what it might be, you're like, no, <laughs> you don't want to do that movie. And then the movie's like, yeah, 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 dude, because I'm clever. And it's not. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck them. I hope they don't get another movie made. I really, really, really genuinely do. They don't deserve a penny. Uh, well, so, I'm, l- let, me, we go. let me give you my bad with slightly less vitriol. <laughs> go for it. Um, it's a movie called Blood Vessel, just premiered on Shudder. Oh, uh, right. But I've been keeping an eye on this one because it's got a lot of ingredients that your old pal Bo really likes. <laughs> oh, Ouija boards. No Ouija boards, strangely. <laughs> but it's it's got a ghost ship. Oh, yeah. All right. Here we go. It, it's kind of a creature feature. 
And it involves uh, Nazis. And wait one second, this is in the bad list book? So, a raft filled with the survivors of a medical boat sunken by a U-boat at the end of World War II. Mm Mm-hmm comes across uh, a ship like they're all all out of food all hope is lost and then out of a mist comes an ab- what seems to be an abandoned nazi ship mm-hmm. but what they discover duncan is that it's full of uh old vampires what <laughs> what the nazis found in transylvania <laughs> Which, again, sounds fucking great. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and, and it's kind of implied that this is straight up Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's this giant, like, bat monster. Because mm-hmm. he's, like, totally vampired out. It's like when Gary Oldman goes bad in the... <laughs> the say, yeah. When Gary Oldman goes bat. Yeah, when he goes full bat. You never go full bat, Duncan. But yeah, this guy goes full bat, and he's got, uh, it's like a family. It's him, it's uh, a, a mama vampire that he wakes up, and then the the little girl vampire, the daughter vampire, mm-hmm. who is kind of the first vampire you see, you see and, and she's kind of what sets everything off. Um, it's just, man, it takes forever for anything to happen. It's just kind of a low-budget movie. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, we've only got so much to do. Uh, it, it, it's a movie that, it, like, the the idea exceeded the budget, I think. Mm-hmm. So that instead of the grand, like, almost Aliens-esque movie that I think was originally envisioned. Mm-hmm. Of like, hey, we've got a bunch of vampires in the bowels of this ship. The shit that we need to uh, get out of here is through those vampires so that's what we've got to do oh, uh right. that that seems like the idea but it just goes fucking nowhere like it <laughs> i i will say this like the the, the movie subvert subverted my expectations a bit mm-hmm. uh in the sense of like early on i was like oh that guy's dead that guy's dead you know like the traditional tropes and mm-hmm. and it plays with those a little bit, and and that's good, but it's not nearly enough to save it from just how dead it feels. Mm. <laughs> not undead, Duncan. Oh. Uh, zing, zing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where a catcher is meant, listeners, because they come fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... But yeah, it was just a real bummer of a movie because I was overly excited by, again, it had a lot of ingredients that I was like, even if this is kind of bad, it could still be kind of fun. Mm. And it just wasn't ever fun. Uh. And, you know, there like we talk a bunch about movies that do a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. And this movie, I feel like just, I don't know if it was a matter of, being too ambitious or not ambitious enough uh, with the the budget that it had, but I don't know. It it really fell flat, and uh-huh. it's it's like it's not god awful. Like coming away from it, I wasn't. I'm not like going scorched earth the way you are with Annabelle. 
Where I'm like, <laughs> we, sh- we should find all the prints and destroy them. But uh, but I I would not recommend it. Yeah. So give me give me something good. Hey, well I saw quite a few movies that were good, but um, I was blessed actually. Um, <laughs> Look I at mean, you bragging. Yeah. Well, I I think that's the thing. I think there's still like for the the fact that a lot of movies have been delayed this year uh, to next year. I think there's still a lot of really fucking good content out there. Um, one one of them being, of course, Relic, which I know. Uh, you were very excited for me to see. Yeah. Um, oh, that I, movie's fucking good. Really fucking good. Re- once again, Australia can do no wrong. Um, I think it, there's, that's... There's something in the water over there, man, honestly. That's a fucking contender for best of the year for me. I, it's hard it's, for me to think of a movie that has stuck with me the way that Relic has. I have... Like, my top five is it's, it's just now has two movies directed by female directors and their first time first time taking on a movie so uh relic is one of them saint mod's the other so uh, i yeah, think you're uh, like totally just like out the park uh, the movie that i'm going to and i know there's one here that i really liked that you were mm, a bit iffy on uh, which was the old uh gretel and hansel movie which i fucking adore. Lord, man, I absolutely loved that movie. Like, I, I finished and I was like, yes, just give Osgood Perkins all the fucking money. Like, just from now on, just every penny, just give it to him. I don't disagree with you. Like, I don't, I am, I'm a little lukewarm about the movie as a whole, mm. but I absolutely think that Oz Perkins is an incredibly talented director who should be given money to make more movies. Like, I'm, I, that one, didn't completely connect with me but yeah. visually it's gorgeous and it's creative oh, and how yeah. good that movie looks i mean it's up there as one of the best looking films of the year just yes. like across the board um and the story worked for me like that really really worked for me i know a lot of people were like well it takes too long to go somewhere and then the ending feels like an unsatisfying payoff and to be honest the ending is not that far off the original Grimm's fairy tales. I'm fine with that, and the the you know the tropes that it plays specifically um, about the the kind of pagan power of uh, you know female empowerment. I really enjoyed those themes. I thought those themes were handled very 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 well. Um, but I know it's you know it's maybe. But then to me, it's once again, it's like he is he's a director that I feel comfortable when I sit down and watch one of his movies. I know what the pacing is going to be like. I know. You know, it's, it's going to be a bit abstract. He's going to play with some kind of loftier ideas, which might not always come fully in a, in a satisfying way. But he's going to try it, and he's going to he's going to turn his hand and put a very artistic bent on it. I I, I feel like regardless what he does moving forward, that's just his oeuvre, and I'm like you know, I'm over the moon with that. The movie that I'm going to talk about uh, is the one that I you know I'm at the moment is you know if it doesn't. By the time this year finishes, I'm going to have a battle between, unless something else comes out that I'm not anticipating, it's going to be a battle between Saint Maud and Possessor for top of my list. Uh, Possessor is, oh my good God. Oh, Possessor is a movie made for me, right? That is 100%. That is Brandon Cronenberg, son of David Cronenberg, um, coming back after what I would consider... I mean, I liked Antiviral. I thought Antiviral was a great movie. You know, I didn't think it was an amazing movie, and it kind of felt like he was experimenting and playing with ideas that his dad had done. 
in the past. And there was a cool concept there, but maybe not necessarily a strong enough voice behind it. Possessor weirdly feels once again like he's playing around with concepts and ideas that your dad has done it in the past, but this time I got his voice. I like, fully got the Brandon Cronenberg experience, and it's an experience I really fucking like. Um, it's weird, it's dystopian, it's beautifully shot, wonderfully scored. Um, maybe like two scenes in, it in particular which are the most viscerally violent I've seen in the movie this year. Um, like just like incredible violence portrayed on the screen with practical effects and all the rest and you know like concepts of of like kind of free fall um mortality um the insidious nature of of you know how we define ourselves uh, and what we do at our work compared to how we define ourselves as a parent like all these ideas tripping around in the background but first and foremost it's a fucking dystopian espionage movie um with shitloads of violence and yeah it, it finished and my jaw was was loosened um and i was trying to take this into like try to like like double down on this this is brandon cronenberg's second fucking movie right and i think it's fucking incredible his second movie and i think it's incredible and i've never been so giddy with the prospect that maybe the son can surpass the father because cronenberg like we've spoken about him before david cronenberg is in my if he's not in my top three he's in my top five directors walking the planet of all time i'd, I'd like david cronenberg and uh, like even the stuff that you know when he's just got, I'm going to do a movie about Freud, and I'm like, that yes, do that movie. <laughs> what do you mean? There's no body horror in it. Who gives a fuck? You know, like and that is how much I adore him. And I've seen many kids take up the the old. I'm going to be a director just like my dad, and I watch him, and it just feels like wholly derivative of what the parents done. You're you're cashing and trading off the name, and you're trying to be too much like, as opposed to having your voice having your ideas and your voice. And I think Brandon Cronenberg has it in him. I think Brandon Cronenberg has it in him long-term, taking into account this is movie number two, long-term has it in him to make a movie amongst the top tier of his dad, if not surpass. I, I, I was blown away. <laughs> I, I sat blown away by that movie. I think it is absolute. it's this year's Mandy to me i'm not just saying that because it's the same woman that's in it um but you know just felt so like canada just now canada can do no wrong Can, like we used to that was a the brunt of many a joke when it came to it's a canadian horror movie <laughs> you know they went up there to do it on the cheap um but this year there's about four or five canadian titles that i think are you know if not given a run to other parts of the world just now you know but just like just generally fucking great and Possessor tops that list. Just a, like, don't know if you've seen it yet. I, I hope you do see it. Uh, I, I hope it resonates as much with you as it did with me. But yeah, it fucking floored me. So um, yeah, I loved it. Well, you know, I'm not much of a fan of Cronenberg, Duncan. <laughs> Son of a bitch. No, I, Son of a I, bitch. I, um, I saw that, I think Friday is when it hit VOD here. And I just haven't had a chance to catch up with it yet. But yeah. I mean, within the next like forty eight hours, I will have seen that film. I am I I was excited to see it already. And mm. then the initial reaction to people being like, Oh no, for real, 
like Brandon Cronenberg, it turns out, is real fucking good. He's um, excellent. It's, it's actually, <laughs> I, I mean, that's like, there's an exciting part of me about that because I like, we do we do this and we can't help ourselves as horror fans to like constantly try and whoever the next up and coming director is it's like you know <laughs> you're our only hope will be one Kenobi uh, you know like you constantly fling this on them and I think some directors just crumble under that pressure and um, like I say I think Antiviral was a great movie I think it genuinely is a great movie I didn't think it was an exceptional movie I think Possessor is an exceptional movie. I think it carves out this interesting little niche of movies we're getting from that part of the world that makes me excited. I, I, I think, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love it, man. You're gonna love it. But strap yourself in to see some things done practically that you know will make you wince. It's the first movie in a while where something happens on the screen where I audibly said, oh fuck out loud and I don't generally do that when I watched a movie and the hand shot up to the mouth because I just wasn't expecting and I'd heard it was violent but I wasn't expecting it to go there. I think um, you and I so, are yeah. both uh, fans of Jay Bauman from Red Litter Media. Yes. And I happened to catch uh, his review of it. Yeah, which was just like a quick tweet that was essentially, um, ironically, my biggest complaint is with the Lucio Fulci level of of practical violence mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "You don't fucking say!" Mm-hmm. So that got me excited about it as well. No, I'm very eager to see it. It, it may, in fact, happen tonight. It depends on, uh, quite frankly, how drunk I get. Um, it's got good performances as well. So you've got um, what's it, Angela a- Risenborough? Andrea oh. Riseborough, very close. Yep, yep. Uh, from <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, from from. Uh, I don't from know Randy. why I got offended on her behalf. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Duncan! It's Andrea Riseborough, <laughs> and um, the dude from Pearson, the the guy uh, whose name escapes me as well. Um, so Pearson, the kind of uh, Jalloesque sort of, you know, sadomasochistic love movie. <laughs> That's what we can oh, call it. Oh, piercing. Okay. Piercing. Piercing. The yes. guy. The okay. dude from yeah. that movie is also a central character in it, and he's excellent as well. So, yeah. It's just all like, yeah. Oh, man. I oh, was like, so who good. the fuck is Pearson? <laughs> Pearson. <laughs> I think you mean Pierce. I think you. I think you're getting confused, Doug. It's Pierce Brosnan. I think is what you're thinking about. I know because I've just reviewed one of his movies. Yes, my name's Bo. I yes. It, it, like if Pierce Brosnan dated like somebody named like Susan. Yeah. So then they uh, as a couple. That'd be the power couple name. Power that, couple name. Exactly yeah. right. Got you. No piercing. Piercing the movie. I, yeah. No, I got it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm very excited, and, and, and hearing you talk about it has me yeah. even more message, excited. So. Message, you don't do it all the time, but message me after you've watched it. Okay. I, w- I, I certainly will. Um, what about you? I, all right, so I'm I'm not as enthusiastic about this one, but it was one of the nice surprises. Because like, uh, like you, I like to pepper in some new stuff when I'm doing mm-hmm. my 31 Days of Halloween. So I had some old favorites in there, but I, I certainly had uh, some, some new films. And one of those was the Mortuary Collection. Oh, so good! Which I thought was a delight. 
Yeah, it's still, I, like I said, I, see when I saw this at Fright Fest and I, I did a review of it and people come back at me as if, like I'm not the most reliable person when it comes to anthologies. For the most part, I don't think anthologies work all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason they don't work all that well is there's too many voices trying to do stuff. I think one director all the way through tends to be the best. Look at, the, I think the last one that I think worked really well for me was Trick or Treat. You know, Dorothy does it from start to finish. Uh, Ryan Spindell does this one. And what I came out with saying is, it is the best, it is the best anthology since Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, and people were like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Like, as if I was just like making shit up. And then I arrived on Shudder, boy, you watched it. And was I right? Yeah, I, I do think yeah, you're right mm-hmm. about that. Um, it And much like Trick or Treat, I don't think any of the stories are exceptional. Mm-hmm. I just think as taken as a whole, none of the stories are garbage, which is nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and, and there are moments in each of them, um, that I'm like, we're going here. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize we were going to take a, a left turn into weirdsville, but now that I've found myself here, I like the view. Yeah. Um, I, what, what I love about it as well is like, it's, it's, well, you're saying like none of them are exceptional, but they're all progressively weirder than the previous one, which makes sense in the confines of the Lincoln story because this actually has a wraparound that makes sense. Yes. There's a guy interviewing someone and he's trying to gross her out by the creepy things that could happen. So she's like, well, you know, that's kind of, you know, surely you've got something tougher than that. So the next story gets weirder and slightly more gross because obviously that's how it would go. Uh, so you know what I mean that that makes sense to me uh, but yeah all of them have a, a moment where you're like oh wow <laughs> yeah I didn't yeah I, I well okay here we here we go um and and you just can't say enough good things about Clancy Brown oh, so fucking good now. I mean he's uh, the prosthetic that they do where he's got like 4,000 lower teeth <laughs> I think it's just terrific. He's he's just perfect in it, mm. and yeah, it's great. It it was such a a, a nice Halloween discovery. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're if you haven't seen the Mortuary Collection yet, and and as Duncan said, it's on Shutter now, so you have no excuse. Uh, mm-hmm. That boy, that thing just continues to make a case for itself. Yeah. Month after oh, month, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Shutter is for real. They are- yeah, th- this year, this year has been the year that has truly become, as far as I can, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a contender for my time on streaming sites. Like it, it used to be, I would occasionally pick up Shutter to see what had been added. I'm now checking it every week. To yeah, see what's been added. So I, uh, I, and I, I, for I finally got around to watching Hack a Lantern <laughs> because it popped up on Shutter, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Let's do this, Shutter. And you know, Duncan did me right, did me just right. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like go check it, Mortar Clay. It's really, really, really good. I and Hack a Lantern. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I can't, I can't endorse that. Uh, but you, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but de- definitely, definitely, like, I don't approve I this lo- message. I do not approve this message. Um, but yeah, like, I. I like Ryan Spindell's obviously done it. It's been a labor of love. It took him years to get it out. Um, and, you know, he'd spent so much time crafting it. And it's a beautiful fucking movie to look at. I mean, that, the set designs alone in that movie are absolutely mm-hmm. fucking awesome. And it's, it's like just it's a, it's a marvel to look at. 
and off the back of that, I know he doesn't want it, he wants to do other projects. See if he wanted to come back and do another one, and Clancy Brown could come back in some way, shape, or form to reprise that role. I would fucking totally do that. I think it's it, to me, he's he, he nailed exactly what a good anthology should have. It's not the best anthology ever made, but like as far as I'm concerned, if I'm doing a top five list of anthologies, I think it cracks my top five. I and I think one of the things uh, that we're kind of talking around here is that because it's all Ryan Spindell, mm-hmm. it's a singular vision. Like the yep. production design, the mm-hmm. tone of it, it mm-hmm. all has the this, humor. The right. humor specifically has a like a one to like the jokes are all in the same vein, which I think gets lost when you give it to many directors. It becomes too disparate. This feels yes focused. And you get different facets. This is the best movie to see an exploding penis this year. Yes, I, I absolutely. Because what's the other uh, scare package? Yeah, which, is, which was no, shit. sir. Shit. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> like, you could see the difference in there. Like, it was just like, no, sir. I, I, it's like, it's shit. Yeah. Jeers, jeers to scare package, but, uh, but I, you know, I think that's uh, the the thing that's interesting because uh, something like the ABCs of horror is yeah. really fascinating because it is all these different visual yeah. styles and that kind of thing. But for a good straight up anthology, and by anthology I mean like three, four, maybe five stories max. Yeah, you know, not a bunch of collected short films, stories with the wraparound and all that stuff. A, a, yeah, an old fashioned anthology film like Tales yeah. from the Crypt and a side. It's exactly it. that. Is in ex- it is, exactly in that vein, right? It again, all directed by one guy who had a very clear idea of what he wanted this to be, and it it totally works on that level. I I like the fact that when you see the first story it's this quick little story and yeah. immediately uh the, the the girl in it is like that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that was it was obvious there it wasn't even irony. It was just some shit that happened and and like Clancy Brown be like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, he's so just just getting warmed up, you know. Yeah, and there's the, like the story I tell, and I love Scott Liam a bit. Everyone knows that Scott Liam versus Evil, easily my favorite horror podcast out there. Good friends of mine, so yes, I am biased. But I saw it at Fright Fest with them, and I was like, "Oh fuck, Clancy Brown's in this!" And they're like, "Who?" And I'm like, "The fucking Kurgan man." And they're like, "Who?" What in and the like, and I'm like, "Oh for fuck's sake!" And I must have went through about four cat. I was going through Starship Troopers. I was like all these different ones. And then I was like, Mr. Crabsworth from Spongebob. I'm like, Mr. Crabsworth from Spongebob's in this movie. And I was like, this is what's wrong with the fucking planet right now. Right, like uh, the monster <laughs> from Steam's The Bride. Yeah, the only the, the thing that the thing that connected with them was Spongebob Squarepants. That's, that's a real shame. <laughs> it's adorable, but at the same time immensely fucking frustrating when you're sitting in a, like, a festival which explores... You know, talented horror directors releasing new horror tomes on there, and I'm like, talk, I'm hitting out genre classics, and they're just like, who? So yeah, love them a bits, but come on, guys, hey, some motherfucking brim. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know who the Kurgan is, yeah. I, I, you and I have <laughs> very little in common. Yeah, speaking of which, in the interim for us kind of going off here and all the rest um national treasure uh beloved actor and uh 
a man who we have done several impressions of in the past. Um, I was in a good light, but I don't always think in a good, in a good light. Um, Sean Connery, or Sir Sean Connery, um, sadly passed away at the grand old age of, I think it was 90? So yeah. like, uh, the fucking, like, that's what you call a good innings right there. I gave um, death a kick in the nuts, Duncan. Yeah, I mean, Right square <laughs> in the niblets. <laughs> you would never use the word niblets. <laughs> he showed up at the door and I said, this is the Chicago way, you death motherfucker. <laughs> Maybe is the best swearer on the planet. Like, I just yeah. like, you know, like, uh, it's like, <laughs> hey, here's for horses. You know, what what does this mean, you stupid little prick? Fuck off! You're like, yes, Sean! Slap him in the face. Uh, he sadly passed away, and to see... It's one of those ones that every now and again, uh, you know, a, a name drops to someone that's passed away that really hits home to me. Like, I grew up with Sean Connery. Like, that is, that is the integral part of my childhood, whether it's, you know, the, the Bond movies, which I know you've been <laughs> subjecting yourself to, whether it's the Bond movies, which, you know, like Sean Connery was my favourite Bond, or, you know, through to things like um, Outland, which is one of my all-time favourite fucking movies, uh, but through things like Highlander, like we mentioned, and, you know, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, just like... The, 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 the Untouchables is mine, man. The Untouchables, He's so yeah. good in that. Yeah, like, he worked with... He worked with Hitchcock, he worked with De Palma, he worked with Spielberg, he like he worked with like the best of the best. Um and yes, he wasn't very good at accents, but he didn't have to be because I saw it, who, who was it that it's a really interesting I think it was Ron Perlman actually uh, had said that he, like Sean Connery was to him the last of that great class of kind of leading men and the beauty of being a leading man movies especially from the golden age of kind of sort of the hollywood system is that you didn't have to be you didn't have to do the accents you didn't have to be method or anything like that but when you were on screen you believed what that guy was doing and sean connor was that i always believed you know i always believed in every performance the guy ever done even how hacky the movie was when sean connor was on screen if he said he was an egyptian spaniard Right, he sounded Scottish, but he was an Egyptian Spaniard. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just, I, I think that's that's gone. Like, you know, there aren't many actors that are like that anymore, if any. Uh, it's become a different art, but he's certainly one of the last. Um, and yeah, a great, a great loss, but like I say, a, a body of work which is absolutely remarkable. And it's been said many times over, and it'll be said many times again, he is regarded in my country as the most famous Scotsman that ever lived, so... Um, so yeah, fucking not Mel Gibson, weird, yeah, not Mel Gibson. Uh, although, as uh, the great Frankie Boyle comedian once said, people uh, laughed and jeered, but they cheered when they heard that Mel Gibson was going to play um, a, a Scottish patriot because he was Australian. And now, look at him now, an alcoholic racist, couldn't be any more Scottish if he tried. <laughs> so uh, uh, but who's it, laughing now, Hollywood? <laughs> so. d- d- to your point, I mean, obviously Connery is a legend. Will always yeah. be a legend. That guy is. I mean, he's he's Hollywood royalty forever and yeah. ever. You know, a guy who you genuinely thought would, you know, like there's there's a couple of people that you see on screen playing hard men that you're like, you're not like Bruce Willis is a great example of that. Like, I don't actually think Bruce Willis 
could like punch his way out of a paper bag. I think Sean Connery could have given you a right hook that put you on your ass. <laughs> like, yeah, even yeah. when he was ninety. So. <laughs> I there were a number of uh, stories that I I kind of read in, following uh, Connery's passing that were people who talked about how on set, like he was the one guy who was more larger than life in person mm. than on screen. Yeah. That just being with him when the cameras weren't rolling and he was just like, who's got a cigar? Huh? <laughs> Don't be a smart ass. I know someone's got one. He's and in, like, even like, Michael Bay, like you, I always forget like Michael Bay directed him because of the list of other ones, but it was in The Rock. Yeah. And there's that story flying around where he's like that, you know, like, like Sean Connery saved that movie, like not because Michael Bay was directing it, but there were certain demands made by the financiers that, you know, Bay wasn't necessarily happy with doing and Connery was like that, I'll just sort them out. <laughs> like absolutely point blank, I walk from this project if this is not met and it was met. So, you know, I mean, that's... Yeah, I don't know how many actors have that clout now when you see how many actors leave projects. Big-named actors just walk mm. out on projects and they're just very quickly replaced. Right, um, there's no replacing a Connery. Like, you either no, have them or you don't. You don't, yeah, 100%. So, uh, R.I.P. Sean. Um, and, yeah, we have, a, we have a body of work that, like, one day me and you will do a commentary to Outland because I think that's due. Yeah. Um, that's it's a fucking incredible movie, man. Oh. It, one, one of the finest westerns in space that ever was. And, Agreed. Agreed uh, 100%. Hey. Ah, oh, man. Let's let's turn our attention away from the, the sad passing of a screen legend mm-hmm. to a, a couple of bangers from Lovecraft Country. Dude, this show... This, this this show right now, every single fucking episode blows my mind. Like this, and one and one fucking one hour episode. This like Lovecraft Country came into the room, slapped its big fucking Asian horror dick on the table, and said, "What's that terror to infamy? I can do." In one hour, what you tried to do for an entire season, make it more compelling, better written, better acted, and fucking scarier. Look at my dick. Yeah. Literally what... It was like... Because we do like like a, an, an ode to Asian horror in the, first, uh, in the first pit. And then the second one, I can't wait to... Like the second one just blew... <laughs> like blew my fucking cosmic mind. Yeah. Oh, it man. Gets... This show, dude. I, I, you're right. It's one of those things that... I was telling... Uh, a friend of mine about it and I was like, man, you really need to watch this. Not because it's a genre show or because you feel like, you know, it, it's one of those shows that's going to teach you something about racism in America. Although mm. it, it does those things, but it's just so much fucking fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's no way you're working on this project and not having a fucking ball doing it. Man, that I mean, we'll we'll get to the the this second episode we're going to talk about the there is a, a, a couple of minute sequence in that thing that is one of the most like beautiful and wonderful science fiction things mm-hmm. I've ever seen anywhere. Yeah. And it's like, man, this show, like you said, <laughs> It's just like in in the last episode we discussed. There's this fantastic body horror stuff. 
Yeah. With, you know, Ruby becoming the white woman and, and discovering that, you know, Extina was William all along and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And you're like, man, this show is fucking good. And then, <laughs> like- <laughs> and then Duncan, le- that leads us directly into episode six, our, our first episode to discuss, uh, which is called Meet Me in Daigu. Yes. And it it opens it, completely away from all the shit that we saw in the last episode. Like, all the stuff with the book and the pages and Ruby and all that. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, yeah just, it's, we're, we're going to come back to it. But once again, this is Lovecraft Country. We teased something way back in episode one. And never giving you the payoff. Right. And the last thing that we saw and in, in heard about Gia was... Um, Atticus doing the translation, seeing mm-hmm. the word die, and calling Gia and saying, How did you know? Yeah. And now, Duncan, we're gonna get the full story of who this who this person is to Atticus. Yep. And as well as uh, a story that is entirely about outcasts. Mm-hmm. And and how um, everyone in this situation is being uh, uh, is shunned for one reason or another. Oh yeah, and and uh, Asian possessions by animal spirits. Yes, yes. Well, just, like just, just in case you thought, wait one second, where's the Lovecraft stuff like that? Oh yeah, it's in here, <laughs> in the form of furry tentacles. <laughs> yes, yeah. don't even worry <laughs> about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. I can see, I can see you listener looking at your devices now, worrying that we're going to go too heavy on the race combat. Like that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it because hey. there's some horror shit in here which is going to make you smile. And, so. and you know what else, Duncan? Longtime listeners of the show are always somewhere in the back of their heads thinking to themselves, mm-hmm. "Well, what is the one thing that Duncan and Bo come correct tell me <laughs> over and over and over and over again?" You should be fucking. Okay. Yeah, and there's 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 quite a bit of that in this episode with consequences. Yeah, so. <laughs> people get down in this episode. So, yep, <laughs> we open on Gia, our our uh, the character we have not seen before, played by Jamie Chung. Yes, uh, she is watching Meet Me in St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, and she's all alone in this theater except for a couple that's making out because Duncan. They should be fucked. Which, <laughs> Which I believe they leave the movie early to go home and do. That's exactly right. And then we have this moment where uh, Gia believes, or doesn't believe, she has this fantasy about as soon as they leave, she gets up and sings and dances with Judy Garland on screen mm-hmm. behind her. And then we cut back to her and we realize that, oh, this is just this this fantasy she has yeah. uh she is captivated by the magic of hollywood musicals and judy and Garland who isn't who isn't i mean look not necessarily me but i get it um <laughs> i don't care for him anyway paul <laughs> you didn't know it's you know i don't i don't like it when people break into song and movies they I never care for it. You're going to hate our musical our musical show, which is coming up later on in the year, where Duncan spontaneously sings. Oh, <laughs> I'll sing. Of a movie. 
but I don't want to hear other people sing. That's why bro, <laughs> that's why I don't listen to music either, Duck. And I'm like, these assholes don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I could do better than that. Right. Give me give, give me a B flat. One, two, three, four. <laughs> my my blood runs cold. I just sing centerfold no, over and over. Centerfold, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh no. That's all I sing over and over again. Yeah, my blood ran cold when I've, you sang that. I have a cover band called the Jay Giles Band Band. <laughs> this went off the rails early. Oh, oh. Anyway, oh. Mm-hmm. it is fall 1949 in Daegu. Mm-hmm. Gia is kind of bouncing around the house with a song in her heart. Everything seems pretty normal. Her mother comes around with some food and is like, "Oh, kimchi!" Put- by the way, oh yeah, Ooh, like, did- mm, give did- me that kimchi. Love some kimchi, bro. Right, Ooh. like getting her taste. Oh, did I put too much spice in this? Oh, I'm gonna put some more spice. Like it's real kind of playful, and you're like, "Well, this seems wholesome." Yeah, th- this feels like a well-adjusted family situation, bro. It's what I thought. Yeah, and I. I think that is the the larger point of this episode, right? Is that we're all outcasts in our way. Of course. And, and that yeah. on the surface, this all looks normal. But then underneath, you realize that, like, Gia is like, look, I know things have been tough and we're not invited to the neighbor's parties anymore and that kind of thing. But I'm about to graduate from nursing school and I'm going to restore, uh, like, honor to our family. And her mom freaks out and it's just like nothing's been the same since your father died and she's just like jesus mom look it's it's <laughs> kimchi it tastes great <laughs> right like we were just on a kimchi high here and <laughs> i i just told you i'm gonna graduate and everything's gonna be cool and her mom is just like you just need to bring home more men yeah, and I was like, that does not feel adjusted. <laughs> right, like, this, is she a pimp? <laughs> Don't make me lift my mama pimp hand. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll hit you with my ring hand. <laughs> so, so, then we cut to nursing school where Gia is the only one uh, really paying attention as the instructor is like, hey, we got a bunch of cut open corpses here. You need to name all the organs. And, mm-hmm. and she's going about that business and all the other nurses are like, so are, are you dating any men? <laughs> and... <laughs> it's a pretty accurate actually. It, it's pretty good. A man of a, a thousand voices, Duncan. <laughs> and they're, uh, they, they all kind of take off. They're, like, there's one girl in particular that is kind of eyeing G.I. She's walking around the table and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But she's telling this story about, like, oh, I, you know, I get all the girl, or, or I get all the men. And one of the girls around her is like, tell us how you get all the men to fall in love with you. And I, and she, I thought she was going to break into a song for a second. Yeah. And, but in, I got music. I got... No, sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no stop it. That. Stop it. She, she did not do it. Who could ask for anything ah, more? Duncan. <laughs> and so the, when this girl asked her, like, what do, you, what do you tell these guys? They cut immediately to Gia... <laughs> At the this speed like, dating table, right? It's like bingo speed dating, 
<laughs> we are led to believe that the line that she uses is what she's been told to use, and you very quickly realize that she's been trolled horribly. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> what she says is, you're really attractive, and your big brain makes you sexy. Yeah, and the guy's like, okay, not this one. <laughs> right, cut to him just drawing the X on her, like, hmm. nope. I mean, forget nope. that it's Jamie Chung, for God's sake. Oh, Are you By blind? the way, in this fucking episode. I mean, whew, let's. With the 1950s look, bro. Oh, yes, let's not be me. completely piggish men about this, but stunning. Stunning. She in this is stunning. She's an incredible actress who just happens to be absolutely fucking gorgeous. Yes. It, heart, right. The, there are plenty of times in, in this uh, episode, like. The next guy even yeah, um, comes up and she's like, you know, she just has had enough shit. And it's like, you know what? I just want to fall in love. Like I see all the time in these Judy Garland movies that I like so much. And the guy's yeah. like, hey, I saw that movie too. And I like this one. And they have this kind of brief conversation about like Hollywood musicals. Mm-hmm. And you think like, well, this is the guy. <laughs> At last. And they're like, no. She's right. like X. And the, like, right, what? the buzzer goes, it's like this girl that likes the same movies that you do and is yeah. Jamie fucking Chung. Yeah. And you're like, I don't think so. It's literally what he's like. He puts an X here and he's like, well, good luck. Right. And it's one of those ones where you're like, you really just want to be like, you're lost, buddy. Um, and then you realize what might have happened to him in a couple of minutes' time. And then you're like, well, no, actually, that guy's like, there was something, something shining over you that saved you. Right. Uh, it's like it's like not picking up that hitchhiker that turned out to be a serial killer, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but, by the because, way, you should pick me up more if you see me on the interstates. Yeah, always pick up Bo. Yes. That's, that's the question. <laughs> I'm not a serial killer. It's interesting. I thought I heard a teehee. No, mm. I... I I don't know what you're talking about. I just said, I'm not a serial killer, Duncan. Yep. <laughs> Something seems... I mean, it seems He said it wasn't a teehee. You should just come in my car. I think, a I think I stepped on a rubber duck. Um, <laughs> but I, I think this girl's name is uh, Young Ah, I think is her name. Something yeah. like that. And um, she, uh, she... Like the guy that just busted Gia for whatever unknown reason is now with her mm-hmm. and but it it becomes very clear very quickly duncan that she is only there to maybe make a little time with gia yep and because she's like you know holding her hand a little too long and is like hey this guy she describes this guy as dull as ditch water yeah which i appreciate and uh, i got a couple <laughs> of ditch waters in my life why did you look at me when you said that no reason (laughs) son of a bitch and then (laughs) and then (laughs) and then she's like hey do you want to come along and she has like you want me to come with you on your date that seems weird and then after the hand holding she's like wait a second yeah, it's like you and me and two of your friends, simultaneous loving, baby. Two or three, simultaneous. And, and but Gia is like, no, I can't because I need to hit the bars or something because my mom wants me to bring home a man. 
Yeah, but I'm like, what? Right. And she and and the, this girl tells her like, hey, sometimes mothers want what's best for them, not what's best for their daughters. Mm-hmm. And she is like, I understand what you're saying, but I really got to go get a man. Yep. And so then Gia goes to the official David Lynch roadhouse in Korea. <laughs> who who did not have playing the Nine Inch Nails, but um, it did, however, have that dude from Heroes. Yeah. Who <laughs> just happened to be, and I was like, I've not seen you since Heroes. Nice Man to see whose you. name I can't remember. <laughs> Not the one that had the power, um, but the other did. Who eventually did get power, but don't watch that series because it got shit. No. Um, who, who, who did not have powers in the good heroes, That's had right. powers in the bad heroes. And we're not saying that's why it became bad, but it's one of the contributing factors. <laughs> All right. So, Gia is drinking alone, and a guy at the bar is kind of giving her the eye. Mm. And so, um, she immediately takes him home where... Uh, Mayday, a bunch of candles all come on at the same time. Yeah, she it's... has, like, <laughs> she has an official fuck room. Right? Yes. Like, th- this is, like, see when I saw this, I was like, this is a room designed for fucking, right? This is a Duncan and Bo sanctioned, approved room right now, because <laughs> as candles all the way right around the fucking thing, the bed is in the middle, um, and it just looks like the comfiest mattress, uh, and it's like, yeah, everything just looks soft and supple, and this is, you know, like, all that's missing is a mirror on the ceiling. That's all I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. In Korean, over the, the doorway, it says, you should be fucking. Yes, what, yeah, which is, I mean, yeah, obviously. And they, they go in there, yeah, like you see, like, from the moment they go to this room, like, my fucking, like, it's meaty, meaty. I bought the mission. I bought the mission. Right, you're... Get, get out of there! It's like, I turned into Christopher Lloyd from Star Trek 6. Go out! Get out of there! It's fucking... It's not Star Trek 6 either. It's yeah, that's Star, Star Trek 3. 4. 3, 3, that's right. It's yeah. 3, search for Spock. Uh, yeah. Get out of there! It's good stuff. It's a basically one long Spock puberty movie. Yes, that is the, the yeah. All the yeah, all the even numbers are really good. All the odd ones are odd. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. That's the rule of thumb. Uh, but yeah, he, he goes in there. He's oblivious, bro, because he is in the mood for some fucking well. So she, like I said, she turns on all the candles at once, which is is a warning sign for me. Yeah, because you're like, eh, she's magic. Yeah. Plus, the clapper hasn't been invented yet, so <laughs> I right. don't think it works on candles either. He, yeah, he would even have thought of it. <laughs> candles on. <laughs> candles off. <laughs> candles on. Candles off. The clapper. Um. So. <laughs> And but as as the warning signs are building up, then Jamie Chung just kind of slips off her clothes. It's like, oh right, okay, mm. for, forget what I was saying about this being a supernatural horror show. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it now. Let me vicariously through your penis. This muscular little bastard strips down. He's one of those dudes that as soon as he takes off his clothes, you're like, Jesus Christ, dude, you are fucking ripped. Yeah, crunching. Yeah, and they start fucking. Good for them, of course. Yep. And as soon as he comes, yes, which he does very animatedly. Well, if that's a know, word. <laughs> look, Duncan, you're either enjoying yourself or you're not. Let's 
<laughs> Let's not guy's, be shy. Yeah, this guy's. This guy's. Look, if if I wasn't aware of the time frame, I would say that this man had watched too much internet porn. <laughs> look, when I when I come with my special lady, not only do I scream and smile, I text a friend. <laughs> That's how happy I am. I, I recite pi to seven decimal places backwards. <laughs> I immediately hit some ACDC and <laughs> high five the lady I'm with. Yeah, we did it. Oh, you didn't come? I did it. <laughs> Go bowl. Yeah. Yay. Yay me. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going down on you. Mike comes in there. That is a conversation I swear to God has never happened. (laughs) 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 So right after he comes, Duncan, and he's like, oh, I'm not going down. Um, She's like, oh, we'll see about that. Mm. And out of uh, her vagina, one presumes, comes... (laughs) comes uh, a furry little tentacle tail mm-hmm. and then uh they come out of her uh yeah her well ears. that furry little ten- tentacle tail comes out and then we're led to believe it goes up his ring oh yeah no it goes where Ru- ruby puts her heels <laughs> where ruby puts her heels. and yeah he he gets it right in the pooper <laughs> yep and then uh more are holding him aloft in midair that are coming out of you know, her ears and her mouth. And then, yeah. uh, the, a couple come out of her eyes and, and which is the important aspect here for this episode, because it plunges into his eyes. And then we get this weird little detail where she will basically capture, you know, when they see just before the moment of death, your whole life flashes before your eyes. And um, that's essentially what she gets to see. So she sees everything that's happened before and everything that would have happened had she not killed him. So she gets to experience his entire life. Yeah, and then he explodes in blood. Oh yeah, he just like straight up fucking patoom, like a like a, a, a water balloon filled with blood that has had a pin stuck into it. Right. He just goes everywhere, and then the mother opens the door, and she is fine with it, Bo. And I'm like, oh my good god. <laughs> yeah, uh, her, as soon as she comes in and sees this bloody mess, she goes ten more. Yeah, <laughs> and Gia is like, yes, Uma. Uh, I was like, this isn't fucking. This isn't like physical education what do you mean 10 more I'm not like 10 more laps of the track this is dead bodies we're talking about here Uma yeah that's how they roll man yeah. it's, she's a blood pimp and <laughs> a blood pimp <laughs> then we cut to summer 1950 where Gia is back in a theater watching Easter Parade mm-hmm. and as she's watching the movie it's it's getting going um, the whole world just starts to shake. The The film sizzles in the projector. Mm-hmm. And everybody rushes outside to see American tanks rolling through the streets, distributing propaganda, saying, hey, don't freak out. We're here to help. We're here to fight communists alongside your, your fellow South Koreans. America, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a proud moment for everyone. <laughs> Once Bo had finished saluting, he got back to writing these notes. Yeah, he's <laughs> too busy busy uh, listening to Lee Greenwood and I'm proud to be an American. 
Oh dear. Oh. And and so Oma makes uh her a big special dinner of uh you know this stew or something for Gia, and mm. who gets a, a taste of it and then she's like, Ew. and her mom is like, well, what the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, well, I I wasn't expecting the anchovy, I guess, because mm. it's never had anchovy before, and then all of a sudden my mouth was full of anchovy. And she's like, there's no meat. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the Americans are here, which means, you know, they're like a bunch of greedy motherfuckers. Right. And she has like, what's what's the big deal? Why are we having uh, special food? And she's like, well, it's your birthday. You fucking supernatural bitch. And <laughs> it's like, oh, I forgot about that. And and then she's like, hey, uh, while while you're eating your birthday dinner, how come you're not bringing men home? You haven't brought one home in a month. Mm. And she's like, look, there's a war on. Things are real busy down at the <laughs> hospital. And, and Uma's like. I've not shaved my legs. <laughs> like, you mean? Right. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not taking time for B right now. Yeah. And I need to do that first. It's not you. It's me. That's what I'm saying. I just, you, it's me. I need to spend a little time, just me and my tails. Figuring out what it is we're gonna do when this crazy war is over, and, yeah, and, and Uma's got like this really interesting take on it, which is you know American men are not that much different than Japanese men. <laughs> you know, what I mean, they're all kind of the same thing. They're men. They're going right. <laughs> she, she, the way she puts it is, they rape what they swore to protect. Yep. They're all a bunch of assholes. Murder yep. as many as you want. We only need yep. ten, but don't. You don't feel like you got to push away from the table, you know? Yeah. Which I believe is what the Spice Girls were singing about in Wannabe. That you're 100% right. If yeah, you want to be my lover, then you got to stop raping what you swore to protect. Yep. Make it, it make it last forever. Now here comes my tentacles. That's right. Those were the original lines. <laughs> that's right. But the, the record label being, you know, run by men had them change the or, lyrics to something a bit more saccharine. Or society. Oh, boy, great use of the quotation marks that I could not see you do there, but I know you did. Totally happened. All, mm. But also, this is the first mention of the Mudang. Yep. Um, who told Uma that, like, look, you need to eat a hundred souls, and then once you are, then you're going to be human again. Yeah, she is the she is the Shang Tsung of this episode. <laughs> yeah, she is, and, and she reveals here that what uh, what she is, what Jia is, is called a Kumiho. Yeah, and then we cut back to Jia, who's working at the hospital as as she's bringing an American soldier in and trying to hold his leg together, which is all fucked up, and he's throwing slurs at her and everything. He's a bad man. He right, but he's all like he's in pain, but he's also being terrible, and you know, she's she's bearing it. Gia is, you know, she's she's a pretty stand up kind of gal, except for the fact that she's you know a murderous legendary creature. <laughs> and her her sexy friend is like, hey, let me help with this guy's leg, and then the two of us can take a minute after all this is done, and. Gia also happens to see her kind of whispering with this orderly at the mm -hmm. hospital. And when uh, Gia is asking her about it, she's uh, her friend is like, well, do you want to you wanna, you wanna date with him? I'll talk to him for you. And Gia's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to, what, what the hell were you guys all, all uh, pally about? And, uh, and the nurse is just like, that's none of your business. Shut the fuck up. And Gia's like, all right. <laughs> 
chill out. Um, no, it's, I'll tell you what, it's definitely not. It's not definitely planting information and espionage to, to some guy just in the hospital. It's definitely not that. How dare you fucking even insinuate even remotely that it is? It's not. Well, and, and so they're having this whole conversation about like being different and they're having two completely different conversations, yeah. even though they're, it's the same thing where this, this nurse is talking about being lesbian at a time that it was certainly frowned upon. Oh uh, yes. And, uh, she thinks that's what Gia is talking about, but Gia is talking about being a fucking legendary murderous monster. Yeah, what one of them you could argue is maybe slightly more difficult than the other. Right. And I'll let the audience decide which one that is. The answer may surprise you. <laughs> it, and and there's a real like rubbing her face in it element where this nurse is like, look, we're all the same underneath. Yeah. I mean, we're all human. And Gia's like, oh, fuck, I'm not even that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and while they're having this conversation, this pickup rolls by with a supposed communist in the back mm. of the truck with a noose around his neck. And literally, it's just like, this asshole's a communist. They throw a rope around a bar and then kick him off the back of the truck and then pull the truck forward and hang this dude. Yeah, because, like, I don't know how much of this is actually known but the like the way the americans treated suspected communists is pretty fucking reprehensible right but seeing other parts of the world they didn't even get a trial <laughs> like they just got strung up um and it was like it's the, it's the the asian like example the the act of killing great documentary which covers all about the indonesian kind of communist purges yeah. and all the rest over there, it was literally the witch hunt. It was like, well, he's a communist, you know, and they, they, they did it to, they did it in, in a way where they and sometimes thought the person was a communist, but other times it was opportunistic. Well, this guy has the shop that I want. He's a communist, that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's no trial here at all. This guy just gets strung up. And, yeah, it's pretty horrible, though. Yeah, and, you know, earlier, uh, like, Uma referenced uh, the Japanese treatment of the Korean yeah. people, which, if you read any of the history of that, it's... It's horrific. It, yeah. Right, it's nightmarish. So Yeah, the, the Japanese treatment of, and I love Japan, but the Japanese treatment of anyone that wasn't Japanese during the time period of war is the stuff of fucking nightmares, so... Yeah, yeah. it's, it, you know, it is Nazi-esque in its creative horror. Yeah. Um. So you know, all this being said, to to point out the fact that when this scene is going on and this guy's being strung out by communists, like the nurse is quick to point out, like those American soldiers over there are just watching this. They're not trying mm -hmm. to stop it at all. So they're all, all they're, they say they're here to help us, but they don't give a shit. They're they're just here to do whatever it is, whatever job it is that they they think they have to do. And they yeah. don't care about the people here. And so back home, we we get another scene of Uma cleaning up some blood from <laughs> the American soldier that was kind of given Gia the eye at the end of mm -hmm. that last scene. And and we get the full story of where Gia came from. Which, which is pretty horrific in itself. A hundred percent. The whole story is uh, the, the mother... Uh, had a daughter and there was no father. So she finds yeah, a out man. of wedlock. Yeah. So, yeah. So she finds this guy 
to marry and to hopefully better her situation. But this guy ends up molesting her daughter. Yeah, he's a pedophile. So, right. And she didn't know that. Um, and the thing is, though, it appears, Bo, that the signs may have been there. Y- yes. I mean, they, they kind of have that conversation a little bit later. But um, so what happens is the mother goes to this mudang and and asks for help. And oh, so, man, there should be a rap group called the Mudang Clan. No. Oh. Nothing to fuck with, Duncan. <laughs> oh, why is it not? And 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 she summons a kumiho, which mm. is uh, a, a spirit that inhabits the body of a beautiful girl, and uh, and murders men sexually. Yep. you know, at, at the yep. at the height of sex. And so when this father, this stepfather, goes to uh, molest his daughter, instead the kumiho murders him. Yep, but and the the whole plan is the mother is going to take care of this father, and then the Kamiho will murder ninety nine more men, and then her daughter will be back. Yep, yeah. <clears throat> I've got ninety nine problems, but a Kamiho ain't one. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. And but but Kumi, uh not Kamiho, but Gia the Kamiho <laughs> is like not playing this anymore where she's like hey i'm done taking souls like i've got and they've only got one more to go she's she has yeah. killed 99 men and uh she says look i've got the memories of 99 dudes in my head and all of them suck why mm-hmm. would you want me to be human humans are terrible and you know uma is like breaking down she's like i was just trying to protect my daughter but this price was too high and G.I. keeps trying to convince her, like, there is nothing of your daughter inside me. Like, yeah. all of this stuff that you think you see in me that's your daughter, that's not her. She, I, I remember 99 people's worth of shit, mm-hmm. but not her. And then she starts singing this butterfly song, and uh, her mom gets excited. She's like, that's it. See, that song I used to sing to you every night. And then Gia really bums her out, Duncan, <laughs> by saying, that's not how I know that song. I know that song because I remember what your now dead husband remembers. Yes. <laughs> and this is the song sh- your daughter would sing to herself when he was raping her yes. to comfort herself. And Yikes. Right. <laughs> And the only reason he ever married you was because of your daughter and because he knew that because of the position you were in, he could get away with it. And that's that's some tough truth. That's some hereditary level. Yeah, that's that is, going to be real with you. Yeah, if 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 truth were bombs, Bo, this was a Hiroshima. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a Hiroshima-style fucking truth bomb display here and that she fucking scorched earth truth bomb because you can see like great at one again no problem with this show at all when it comes to acting acting across the Fuck board no. is fucking great and this scene in particular you transition through um both sides the optimistic mother and then the kind of the, the 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 demon possessing the daughter that is doing this purely I mean, purely to fuck. That is like a game that she is doing specifically just to get her point across that, 
you know what? The daughter you think you have is fucking gone. Not there anymore. And by the way, all the stuff that you're kind of hoping for, it's never going to come back either. So basically all I'm doing now is taking souls because you want to have something that you can't have and we're never going to have because she was destroyed the moment your fucking husband that you picked laid hands on her. Yeah. Heavy shit, Bo. Yeah, that's rough. And Duncan, let's lighten the mood a little bit (laughs) and go to a work camp. Get them done, man. Where some nurses from the hospital are are being brought out into uh, the middle of nowhere, essentially on the back have of this truck. Have a party thrown for them? Um, no, Duncan. Slightly different. It's not Susan's birthday. Oh no. Um, or or Brosen's birthday. Um, they they're instead lined up. Mm-hmm. put on their knees and told that there is somebody leaking information from their shift in particular at the hospital to the communists. Yep. And the interesting thing about this is that this is a black regiment that has been tasked with this. Yep. And so the, you know, platoon leader or whatever who is doing the question is kind of pace them back and forth. And uh, he says, "I somebody needs to come forward. Who and Gia is in this lineup?" And he says, uh, "Who who is who has been giving information to the communists? Nobody. All right." And then he shoots one of the nurses in the head, right in the fucking right in the head, puts her down, and then we're on to nurse number two. Right. And this time. He uh, he points his gun at another nurse and he says, all right, who is leaking information? No answer. So shoots another nurse in the head. Now, and this time the blood spray goes right over, like right over our face, like, like right up. It's like you can see it. There's like chunks and everything in our hair and it's fucking. Ugh. Right. And it's it, it's the girl right next to Gia is now dead. Yep. The platoon leader or whatever realizes that his gun is either out of ammo or it's jammed or something. So he calls another soldier over. Wait uh, one second, but I think I recognize this soldier. Yep. Sure enough, it's Atticus. Mm. And Atticus has his gun leveled at Gia. And as soon as he points this gun at her, um, the the nurse friend of Gia. Yeah, the lesbian nurse friend. Right. The one who clearly was giving information. Like, we... Yeah. We know it was her. But she throws herself in front of Gia and says, no, 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 it was me. Don't hurt her. I'm the one who was leaking information. So, Mm -hmm. they knock her the fuck out. Yep. And drag her away to the Jeep. And you get one final shot shared between Gia and Atticus, who is going back to the Jeep and loading up. And uh, it's him looking back at Gia and the two murdered nurses beside her. Yeah. And he is just emotionless. There is, there's nothing in that expression, you know, is had cold eyes, the devil's eyes. (laughs) You ever seen a shark's eyes, bro? (laughs) That's, that's when Atticus will shoot you. His eyes roll up white. Finger pulls that trigger. Uh, 
<laughs> and we, we we don't see what happens to her friend, but we do get a shot later on, which insinuates that maybe teeth were removed without anesthetic. Yeah, she she was definitely oh. like tortured and ultimately killed. Is yeah, of the course. implication. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so then we cut to fall no. nineteen fifty, Duncan. And the theater that uh, Gia goes to is now shut down. Communist uh, both. Yeah, it is spray painted across the front of it is communist owned. And then back at the hospital, things are still awful. <laughs> uh, everyone is crying and screaming and blood is everywhere. Yeah. And then across the way, Gian notices that a soldier has been brought in uh, that looks suspiciously, suspiciously like the dude what shot one of the nurses and almost shot her, uh, mm-hmm. our pal Atticus. Yep. And he's there. Yeah. And she's like fucking revenge time. I'm going <laughs> to kumiho all of this shit. <laughs> she's like, aha, number 100. It's finally coming to my life. Yeah. Like as I if- wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna, I, I promised myself, I promised myself netting was my limit and I wasn't gonna, but on this occasion at this time, I cannot think of any reason why you would not be the special number 100. Right. This is the best reason I've ever had to kumiho out on someone. <laughs> to kumiho <laughs> And so, and like, sometimes this show is not necessarily the most subtle, uh, yeah. as in this moment where Jia runs outside into the rain looking at the blood on her hands. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you meant it was the scene where the camera pans over and she's like mouthing the words at him. I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. Yeah, you're dead. <laughs> it's um, like Atticus hasn't got his glasses on. I think she's saying that I'm going to live. What's this? And she's like, you're fucking dead, mother. <laughs> I'm dim. I'm smart. <laughs> I read. Look, I got a count of Monte Cristo right here. <laughs> But so we, there's a great moment where we cut to her having dinner with her Uma and she's like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and get that last soul for you. Don't even worry about it. I found, found a guy down at, at the co-op, uh, that is perfect for, for me to explode into a bloody balloon. It's going to be great. Wait, well, Uma, get your mop, get your, get your, 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 your cloth. Things about getting messy. Yeah, yeah. Swap out any of the candles getting low because mama's taking her time with this one. Uh, <laughs> and and so we cut back to the hospital where she's like literally fluffing Atticus's pillows mm-hmm. uh, and turning his bed and, and sheets and whatnot. And he gets up and he starts helping her with it. And she's like, you don't have to fucking help me, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and he's like, hey, hey, hey. I don't have anything else to do. And also... <laughs> Uh, I, I have a favor to ask. And um, she's like, what what favor? And he's like, uh, well, my glasses are broke and I've been reading The Count of Monte Cristo. Can you read the end of it to me? And she's like, no fucking prick. <laughs> Besides, it's, a, it's just a good story poorly told. Like at the end of it. Uh, they totally fuck up his whole reason to go back with Mercedes and so forth. And he's yeah. like, Hey, that's the movie. Now you got to read me the book. Cause you don't know the real ending of the count of Monte Cristo. And she's like, yeah. God <laughs> fucking damn it. All right. And she's like, that. She's like, she spoils the ending <laughs> into the movie. She's done like that. Bruce Willis is a ghost. Um, 
<laughs> Darth Vader's looks father. Rosebud and, was you know, a sled. <laughs> <laughs> Snape was a good guy. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened in Rise of Skywalker, I gotta be honest. I think I think the Emperor fucked somebody. Yeah, the audience, but yeah, it's um, a whole can so. of worms there. But <laughs> but anyway, she's like fucking charming motherfucker. I hate you so much. And uh, so she fucks off, and then we get this scene of them like tossing. The nurses are all outside, like tossing a ball to each other, mm-hmm. which is what passed for entertainment before the internet. <laughs> like, what do you mean I can play Doom? Why would I ever play? Whatever, play ball toss again. <laughs> ball toss. Game sucks. You suck for <laughs> suggesting it. Um, but anyway, so Atticus and it is is kind of hanging out on a park bench with this, uh, like a Korean American soldier who had mm-hmm. gotten drafted, and the ball kind of bounces towards them, and Gia's the one who goes after it. Atticus picks it up and is like, say, baby, I got your ball. Uh, Hey, um, how about we chit chat a little bit on the bench? And there's a little bit of conversation between all three of them about how even back in America, the Korean American guy isn't welcome there. He's not welcome in Korea because he's a foreigner. Like, and much like Atticus, and they kind of have to explain to her, like, oh, yeah, back in our country, nobody fucking puts up with our bullshit. Like, we're, we, we're low rungs on the totem pole. I got nowhere else to go. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, you know, she asked the Korean guy, she's like, hey, you could stay here. Like, you'll be respected here. And he's like, bull to the shit, I will be. <laughs> you know what people call me here? It sucks. Hmm. Um, right. And again, reinforcing the fact that this episode in particular is about how everybody that you run into is an outcast for yep. one reason or another. Hey, now, hey, now. <laughs> Are you doing Don't Dream It's Over? I'm not sure what that is. It's outcast. Oh. Oh, like, hey, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I changed it to hey, now, because of this. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, I'm sorry. Roll with the punches, Bo Ransdell. Shake it like a Polaroid picture, motherfucker. I mean, when you're giving me sneaky outcast lyrics where you're changing shit up, like, you gotta throw that in the slack or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, give me the script first, Duncan, so I can pre-approve it and edit it. Right. We can verify your outcast lyrics. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that there needs to be some quality control on your humor specifically. <laughs> I'm not saying there's a problem, but if there is a problem, it's not mine. I'm just saying that, you know, 60% of the time, 99% of your jokes don't land. <laughs> Man, remind me, by the way, at the end of this episode, we've got an email that's not a question. It's just a really nice email. Oh, man, I look forward to that, and I will remind you because you have set it up that way. Has it just been an ordinary listener one? I would be like that. Fuck it. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, the, if it's a nice one, let's read it. Yeah, no, this one is very complimentary and very sweet. But um, nice. speaking of complimentary and sweet, this is the moment where Atticus just throws down all his game. Yeah, and turns out the boy is packing some game. Yeah, yeah. He's like, look... uh, 
once you come back to my bedside and you can read this Count of Monte Cristo to me, and she's like, all right, fine, fucking cocksucker. And (laughs) and so she's reading the book to him, and like she gets to the end, and they have kind of a moment there, and they're sort of chatting about like you know this war has been difficult for everyone, and uh, she kind of quotes like you know, hey, you you got to be yourself no matter how afraid you are, something to that effect. And Mm -hmm. he's like, that's good advice. Who who told you that? She says, a nurse friend of mine who might have been a lesbian, you wouldn't know her. You wouldn't know her. You just know her teeth. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, hey, I'd like to meet this friend of yours. She sounds really nice. And you're like, oh, Atticus, you were. Yeah. Here, have a bigger speed to dig a hole. (laughs) Right. And you're like, you are like, I know you're not dead because I know this is a flashback episode. But also, how are you not dead? Yeah, you're like if anything, you're like you you at this point you're just like holding up larger targets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Re- remember when I murdered uh your friend? Yeah. Um you you murderous vengeful Kumiho spirit. <laughs> and but then so then we go to this scene uh which is really really sweet. Again, this is very like what should have happened in the terror season two. Yes. About 17 million times in the terror season two, but we never got it because that show hated us. (laughs) What's Oh, what a tease. And Oh my. Oh Oh, man. I want to strangle it to the point that I know it's definitely dead. And then put my fingers over its eyes and pull the eyelids down just to be sure. Put the coins on. (laughs) <laughs> Just to be fucking sure it's dead. Yeah, that Obi is real bad. Oh, sure he does. He does. He them. He everyone. Oh. But all right. But so this scene done right is where Gia goes to to meet Atticus at back at the camp. Like he's out of the hospital, back on base, mm-hmm. and she's all kind of dolled up. And the soldiers at the gate start to give her a little bit of a hard time. And then his Korean pal, uh, that soldier, Atticus's Korean pal, shows up and is like, oh, no, 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 uh, she's she's with uh, Atticus. I'm just taking her to him. And they're like, oh, yeah, you guys getting it on. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and he he's like, well, I had to say that you were a comfort girl. Because that's the only kind of woman allowed onto base right now because everybody's all riled up about communists and whatnot. So we yeah. had to pretend you were kind of, you know, a prostitute. And it's the best way to start any day. Right. And then she goes into this tent, uh, and the the pal is like, Wait here, Atticus will be here in a minute. And it's all dark and she's starting to feel like Oh shit! Am I have I been had? Like I am? Am I about to get set up or something? Yeah. And then a light comes on, and then there is Attica standing in front of this like makeshift movie screen mm-hmm. with a flower, and he's like, "Hey, I got uh, this movie Summerstock with Judy Garland and Gene Kelly that you wanted to watch." And she's like, oh, my God, how did you do this? And he was like, well, my Uncle George uh, writes this travel guide, and he's got some connections, so he hooked this up. And he's like, it's the right thing to do for all the right reasons, goddammit. <laughs> voice from beyond the grave. Got got these kids' goddamn movie. Um, 
<laughs> like young love, what do you want? <laughs> and so they watch they watch this movie Summerstock, and then there's like they cut back to him a little bit later, and they're just looking at each other instead of the movie at this point. Mm-hmm. And they do a little bit of necking, and then Gia is like, "Hey, you want to come home?" And he's like, "God damn, I do." And so they go back to the the fuck pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lesser known Wu Tang B side version to Gravel Pit. Yeah. Uh, it's the <laughs> Check out my fuck pit. The, the Kid Cootie remix. <laughs> the kid. <laughs> and but before they have sex, Atticus is like, hey, before we go anywhere, I gotta I gotta tell you something. And she's like, Is it about murdering people? And he's like, No. <laughs> Do you have right? a demon inside you? <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> How do you feel about foxes? <laughs> and <laughs> he he's like, instead, he's like, I'm a virgin. And any other woman would be like, you, you fucking hunk of beef. You're a virgin. Holy yeah. shit. Get on that bed right now. <laughs> not for long. You're not. <laughs> right. This nudge, is. Nudge. Yeah. Uh, count the seconds. Cause that's not lasting much longer. <laughs> And but then he's like, you know, I've done some horrible shit, and but you seem to see the good in me, and that makes me believe that I can still be good. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to be the man that you see when you look at me. And it's, it's a good a, lane, boy. It's, it's a good fucking lane. <laughs> it's pretty good. And then they start fucking a little bit, and then um, Gi is like. Nope, 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 nope. Get the fuck out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> and she's kind of holding her pussy a little bit, which I think is funny. <laughs> where it's just like, I, I, I can't put, pull my hand away because if I do, a tail's going to whip out of this thing. So yeah. It's, it's kind of it's the, the fox demon equivalent of uh, tucking your hard dick in your waistband for yeah. <laughs> your, your boxers so it doesn't show, protrude, or annoy anyone. <laughs> Right, yeah, it is the the seventh grade math class move. Uh, Got to go to the board. No, this thing, Jesus. Uh, Why no? Why no? Right, it knows algebra better than me. <laughs> e times z square is hardcock. What? what? That was the same to the previous answer. three, Mrs. Kitchen. I hope you don't mind that I'm handing the chalk to my friend here. <laughs> Indubitably. Now we <laughs> this is all nonsense. But anyway <laughs> She like uh he runs out of there and uh. and then her mother enters. She has mother comes in and she's like the fuck just happened? Like you had you didn't just have <laughs> mother she comes running she comes running with a cleanup kit. Yeah. I got the bucket out here and everything, and you know what I don't got? Blood everywhere. (laughs) I blocked out tonight. I was supposed to play Mahjong (laughs) with Debbie this week, and I said, I can't do it Tuesday because that's Kamiho night. I can do it Wednesday. (laughs) And so now I've got Mahjong tomorrow. 
And I'm not going to have time to clean shit up if you do this tomorrow. <laughs> Mahjong Tuesdays don't roll off this tongue the same way that Mahjong Mondays roll off the tongue. You ruined it for me. My alliteration is ruined right now because I changed my fucking plans and there ain't no blood here. Right. Are you happy, Gia? Is this what you wanted with our family? Yeah. And But yeah. Gia is You're like, acting right now like a commie ho. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Dude, there is... There is a really good burn later <laughs> where when, when Gia is like, I love him. And she's like, oh, so you've not only made my daughter a monster, you've made her a whore. And you're like, wow. <laughs> Jeez, Uma. <laughs> she got fucking bangs. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, but Uma is like, um what the fuck happened in here? And she has like, I really have feelings for him. And, and Uma is like, well, if that's true and he killed your best friend, you mm-hmm. really are a monster. Yeah. And then, uh, she says like, look, you're not my daughter. Let's get that right out of the way. And Gia says, oh yeah, well you, I wouldn't be in this world if it weren't for you. Mm-hmm. And so you're my mother, whether you like it or not. And then Uma just spits in her face, Duncan. Yep. Spits in her <laughs> face. <laughs> Don't know if I should be repulsed or turned on the way you see it. <laughs> what does she do? Spits in her face. <laughs> that does kind of ride the line, doesn't it? It does. Because it's not that. like, ooh, spits in her face. It's not... That excited about it, but it's not. Ugh, spits in her face. Yeah. It's somewhere in the middle. I don't yeah, know, I don't know how I should feel about this scene finishing. It feels spit curious. It's kind of dangling at the closet. It doesn't know which way it's going to go. No. Just, uh, do you want to spit on me? I mean, it's weird, but I mean, do you want to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a no with a butt. And a yes with an F. And a maybe. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but all right. So anyway, we go we go back to Gia, who goes to find Atticus at mm. the base. Like, this is next day-ish. And Atticus comes out, and he's like, um, you know, what are you doing here? You need to get out of here. Because of how crazy you are or whatever. And she's like, yeah. hey, hey. <laughs> Pass the piece. <laughs> Atticus. <laughs> Atticus, pass a piece. <laughs> She's like, look. She fucking unloads in him. It's brilliant. Yeah. Listen, you self-righteous little fuck. You killed my best friend. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, and she explains, like, the last time I saw you, you were pulling a trigger on one of the nurses that I worked with. And he's like, why did you go out with me in the first place then? And she's like, because I was going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Call me ho, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was, between the lanes, I guess. I was about to go from a kumiho to a kill you ho. How about that? Huh? And, <laughs> and then she says, but then we started talking and then I also I saw your dick. Look, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that ain't nothing. But but also, uh, I saw how the war was tearing you apart, and that 
in many ways, this wasn't you who who was doing this. And also, also, mm-hmm. uh, that in many ways, the way that Atticus treated her and acted towards her and the way that she feels about him saved her. Yeah. Um, you know, from this being the monster that, that she was, you know, born to be, uh, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then they kiss. It's like, oh, well, we, we really do love each other. And then just cut to them fucking in the army tent theater. <laughs> yeah. Against this white light. While I assume his buddy is just cranking it by the projector. Why not? You mean them for a penny and for a pen book? <laughs> yeah. And and so she doesn't murder them when they fuck. So it's a win for everybody, Duncan. Happy ending. Yeah, m- maybe it's maybe it's, it's maybe it flies in the face of what the common kind of adages about this one, which is once a camijo, always a camijo. Maybe in this case, maybe that's not the case, Bo. Yeah, yeah. Just had had a good fuck and and took his virginity and everything mm-hmm. was great. Yep, magical time. Yeah, and so she goes home just, you know, I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> Katrina and the weaves. <laughs> yeah, and Uma is there, and this is where she says, oh, you're a monster and a whore. Yeah. And then uh, she says, Atticus only loves you because he doesn't know who you are yet. Which, I mean... Not wrong. Not wrong, Yeah. <laughs> No, we're we're on the same page with this one, Duncan. This mm-hmm. is look. I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying it's right. Yeah, but I'm not saying it's wrong. Nope. <laughs> you know, we've seen Atticus later on past this kind of freak out at other things and maybe not be. You know, at this point, he doesn't know about all the Lovecraft shit. So you know, I mean, it's safe to say that if he knew. He'd react probably the way he's going to react shortly. I mean, I don't know that there's any getting around the initial reaction here of like, yeah. what in the fuck? <laughs> uh, all right, but so we we then move to winter 1950. Um, there are clearly a couple and and, yeah. and have been spending time together and seem to be in love. Uh, They're sharing the story of the Camille. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the fuck room, Gia just yeah. reads him. Like, oh, here's the legend of the Camillo. See if any no of this reason. sounds familiar, you know. Yeah, for no reason at all, let me read you this story. Um, <laughs> and, oh, well, okay. at the end of it, let me just throw a question at there. You know, Camillo, good guy, bad guy, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, they're vengeful spirits, but they're kind of sexy, right? Kind of sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kill, marry, fuck, Camillo, right? Oh, what was it here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, bridge troll, uh, dragon. <laughs> Camijo, fuck Barry Kill. What do you, Atticus? Give me your. All right, don't fuck this up, though. Yeah, all right. Kill the troll. I'm with you. Yep. Fuck the Camijo and marry the dragon. I never. No, that's not right. Uh... Uh... All right. I mean, I guess there is longevity in a dragon. I'll give you that. But kiss those longevity. You really thought about this question? I just thought you were just dead off. Yeah, you know. You know, you got to think about something, Duncan. And then <laughs> he he also tells her he's like, yeah, yeah, enough of that Fox Legend shit. Uh, yeah. I found out I can go home, and she's like, oh, that's great. Hmm. And he's like, no, 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 like I can stay. And she's like, I can't ask you to stay in war. 
to, because of our relationship, but also because what's it good for, Bo? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. That, uh, <laughs> say it again, Duncan. <laughs> oh Lord, that's um, <laughs> more rhetorical than anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, he's like, "Hey, you can come back with me," and she's like, "Uh huh." I'll tell you, before I say yes to that, let me ask you, do you feel like you know me really well? And he's like, look, it doesn't matter what you've, what secrets you might have. I would love you no matter what. No matter, Gia, yeah. if, if tentacles erupted from your face, I would still love you. Is that a Camille, a Camille yes or a Camille no? <laughs> like, oh. You know what I mean? I just need to know where I stand. Yeah. By the way, I want to see the spy movie uh, with her. and You call it Camille Royale. <laughs> Dr. Camille no. Nice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> don't know where we're going with this. But <laughs> <laughs> so, Goldfinger, do you expect me to come? Don't no, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die by tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Seems um, like it should be a different movie. But yeah, so <laughs> they get down to some fucking. Again. Right. And and one presumes they've done plenty of fucking, but this time, like after, uh, you know, him saying like, look, no matter what, I'm going to love you. Plus, he goes downtown a little bit yep. before fucking her. Yep. You let your freak flag fly. Gentlemen. He's like, he is like, no matter what. So you know what? The car battery comes out with the jump leads. The good lube. You know what I mean? None of this cheap shit. All I'm saying is, gentlemen, take a lesson. You, the fact that he he was face first. Yep. And then was like, you know what? Now it's time for some fucking. That's mm-hmm. not a bad move. Never a bad move. No. Uh, so, uh, she gets really carried away. <laughs> well, it's her fault, is it, Bo? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's anybody's fault, you know, <laughs> but a Camijo gonna Camijo. <laughs> and out come the tails. Yep. And he is immediately being lifted off of her, and then she mm-hmm. locks you know, tail to eye with him. Yep. And we get these flashes of him being beaten by Montrose when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. We get the torture scenes that we talked about. And then there's another vision of Atticus being like bound to this table kind of thing. Yeah. And then she kind of throws him free. Yeah. And like detaches from him. She doesn't explode him into blood as we know. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, the ever-living fuck was that? <laughs> and she's like, don't go back to America because... You'll die. Which we know because of the end of the previous episode and all that shit. It's all coming full circle. Right. And he takes off and she's like, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. You can't go home. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. And he he leaves, not listening to her, what with all the monsterism and all. So, uh, we do get at least a little bit of a nice tag here where Uma comes home and she finds Shia crying 
And she actually acts like a mother and bends down and comforts her. Yeah. And so uh, we then go to Gia and Uma uh, climbing a mountain while Judy Garland from an interview gives Mm -hmm. a real haters gonna hate kind of speech. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's all about like, hey, you know, a lot of people told me what a terrible person I was. But you know what? How about they go fuck themselves? I was I was a good person as much as I could be. I was a mm. I was flawed, but I was a person. And yeah. and then the Mudang uh kind of greets them as like Yeah. Mudang clan. This scene, by the way, is maybe one of the most beautiful in the entire season. Because you've got the snow on the hills, you've got the cherry blossom in the back. And, her and got, like staring at this beautiful fox in the oh, snow no, and yeah, just like fucking picturesque as balls bow. um but yeah they, they're, they're going to see if there's any if there's any wiggle room around this arrangement um and also you know is you know with the state being the way it is are these visions of the future a uh, Definitive, you know, are they are they set in stone? Is there anything that can be done to change them? Right. And the Mudang says, You fucking bitches knew the price. <laughs> and also, sub question, why is this Kumi Kumiho worried about all this mortal shit like this dude that she thinks she's in love with? She's yeah. a legendary monster creature. What in the fuck have you done to my Kumiho? Yeah, why are we doing this at 99? Why didn't this come up in the first three men? You know what I mean? Yeah, and she's like, "You both of you have totally fucked this all up. And then Gia's like, I don't, I don't care about any of that. Is my vision unavoidable? Did hmm. did the, the vision I saw of Atticus dying, will that come true? And the mooding very cryptically says, oh, you're going to see a lot of death before your time is done. End of episode. Yep. It's real good, Bo. Fucking great episode. Uh, now you said something about an email. Yes. Duncan. Yes. We got an email from the Ram Man himself. Ah, oh, always enjoy a bit of time with the Ram Man. Yes. So here is... That uh, email, it says, salutations, good lads. Uh, Hope all has been well. Just want to express my gratitude for all that you guys do on behalf of your listeners. Quarantine hasn't been particularly easy on anyone, but listening to old DBCC episodes, as well as the Teapot Summer Series and Exploding Heads, has really helped me stay sane. The camaraderie between you two and just the amount of knowledge and insight you bring to everything you do is a constant source of inspiration in my journeys. Um... That is maybe one of the nicest things anyone has ever said to me personally. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the genuinely nicest thing that's ever been said to me, which didn't involve the word "hey cunt." <laughs> I get that. I get that. Um, <laughs> no, thank you very much, man. It, uh, it, listen, we would not be we would not be doing these if we were not having fun. So it's all yeah. about fun. Yeah, I look. I have a blast every time we uh, we do one of these. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes again, it is, it is sort of our traveling Wilbury show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know if we ever gone before we hit record, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I don't just mean because of the rambling nature, Duncan. Yes. 
but but it's sort of like, hey, here's our chance to get together and just have a good time. Mm-hmm. And it is it is a thing I look forward to very much. the The next episode, uh, knock on wood, is going to be a full uh, two episode two parter. Uh, but we just went we went long on this episode. the The next episode, Duncan. Yes, I'll put us back on track as well. Well, that because we'll have two more episodes. We'll be uh, seven and eight and nine and ten. Yeah, will be the, the final two episodes. Uh, and I'm I am ahead as far as episode seven. And then I will watch episode eight tonight and then wait on the final two until we record again, which we will do. That's how I do things as well. That's how I do things as well. I like it. So we're going to, we're going to reach the finale together. The next episode we will talk about, uh, which is called I am is another stone cold winner. Yeah. This one's one that like, to me, like all the promise of that opening scene and the first episode of weird alien creatures and you know other worlds and bond like that, all that stuff which i think the show is deliberately not touched back on yet to the extent of it being like this visual assault on the senses the next episode more than makes up for that by giving us it all <laughs> like like there is a scene in in it where you know it's like the birth of a female Conan the Barbarian. It's fucking amazing. Oh, it's so fucking good. good. It's so fucking good, and it lives up, lives up to everything. Like, who would have thought a simple orrery uh, would lead to such an incredible journey? So yeah, I, I mean, this show said it before. We'll say it again. We'll double down on it. If you are sleeping on Lovecraft Country, you are missing out on the best TV this year. I mean, there ain't no show ever been like this. And it's, it's everything you want from some of the best shows you can think of and just so much more. It, yeah. it, it just delivers it with so much fucking ease. That's the thing that, that I think that's the thing that kind of shocks me is how how desperate the story is, but how uniform its delivery is. You know what I mean? Like every episode is tackling huge subjects and your know, weird tang- uh, tangential storylines and a huge scope, but it all feels incredibly grounded and well delivered. It, it just blows my mind. And yeah, the next episode is at times a very silly one, but trust me, you're going to have a fucking ball with it. Yeah, it, it turns out that uh, you can just in, in, introduce a multiverse into your series. And it's like, <laughs> oh, nowhere. all right. <laughs> fucking nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Duncan, before we get to that matter... Um, where can people find you between now and, uh, and when next we speak? Uh, please check me out on podcast under the stairs, tputzcast.com or just search podcast under the stairs and anything really. And I will appear, uh, tons of stuff coming up. November is always an interesting month. It's a bit of an ad hoc month for me before we bring in a listener choice December. Uh, and then listener choice December, you get essentially three weeks of packed podcasts. It's usually about... 15 plus shows in, in the space of three weeks and then I take two weeks off uh, for the for the rest of the year so uh, yeah tons of great content coming up um, so please please check it out but obviously continue listening to a little bit of DBCC because we've got plans after Lovecraft Country and all I'm going to say is you do not want to fucking miss them yeah we've got the next two things lined up there's going to yeah. be I think the special episode in between and then we'll launch into uh, this the next series which <laughs> God damn, Duncan, that's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> I'll bet it off. Yeah, that's going to be a real, real good time. 
Um, all right. Uh, if you want to hear more out of me, uh, hop over to legionpodcasts.com. Uh, and from there, you can subscribe to the uh, the main feed as well as any number of shows uh, that that we uh, feature over there on Legion Podcast. Um, I would point out for me personally, uh, Pick Six Movies, which is a, a bi-weekly curious uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> in which me and my buddy Chad uh, pick six movies based around a common theme and do... Uh, incredibly detailed and and time consuming episodes about about yeah. about the films. Uh, but uh, the Bond you're series. closing out on Bond at the moment. You've got one left, haven't you? That's right. We just did Die Another Day. Uh, that Yikes. just dropped. And Yikes. Um, <laughs> there that, are better bros than ones out there. <laughs> yeah, but that was kind of the stupid I was looking for. Um, yeah, it's real dumb, but at, at least it was dumb. I, like. Uh, uh, look, just listen to the episode. You'll you'll hear all about my <laughs> thoughts about Die Another Day, um, as well as uh, a James Mason esque uh, Pierce Brosnan impression that <laughs> goes through that film. Um, so there's that. You, you, you know, you always know that your Bond movies off to a ropey start when the best you can get is Madonna for the theme song. Fuck, man, that Madonna song is just a nightmare. <laughs> Garbage. Yeah, it oh, is. fucking garbage. How did we end up here? Here's the, the ironic thing. That song is garbage, yet the song that Garbage did? Pretty yeah, fucking good. Yeah. That's a great Bond song. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, that's Shirley Manson, uh, fellow Scott. So yeah. There you go. Yeah, Shirley Manson. We love you, Shirley. A, yeah, no <laughs> question about that. The gar- garbage is a terrific band. Um, but yeah, so LegionPodcast.com, uh, we will be back. Uh, probably in pretty short order. Uh, yeah, let's let's not wait too long for between this one and the next one because yeah, the show's now officially finished on TV, so we we are we are playing catch up but we, in the best possible way. Yeah, we are playing catch up and and uh, and we we will get caught up very quickly and mm. and get on to other matters, but not before. Oh my God! Enjoying the rest of this season. So uh, the only thing left to do, Duncan, is to say good night to the fine people. So say good night, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Ah!